What's up, everyone? Brandon Kaiser here, and welcome to the Biggest Fan Podcast, presented by Biggest Fan Consulting, where we build robust student sections at the high school and college levels. We take chill and apathetic fan zones and turn them into electrifying, hype-generating, and outcome-altering student sections. In 2013, I had the opportunity to help start and grow the GCU Havoc student section, which is now known as the biggest party in college basketball. I've witnessed some of the greatest moments in sports history and have lived to tell some of the wildest stories of what it means to be the biggest fan. So now we're taking those incredible memories and stories and we're bringing them directly to you. You'll get a firsthand look into the crazy ideas, outrageous stories and dedicated lifestyle of some of the most passionate fans in all of sports. So stand up, paint your face or reflect on the glory days. Let's jump right in. Brandon Kaiser here, and today we have a very special guest, uh, Matt Cranston, who is the outgoing uh, president and executive director of the Kennel Club at Gonzaga University. Really excited to um, hear about your experience at Gonzaga and leading one of the best student sections in the country. Uh, Geek out a little bit on student sections, uh, but more importantly, just tell your story as a passionate sports fan. So Matt, how are you doing this week? I know it's a little weird with COVID, but um, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's been awesome to write those blogs. Uh, the first one came out uh, at the end of June and you know, I'm super excited for all of that. Uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, man. I'm good. How are you been? Yeah, good. It's definitely a weird time, uh, uncertain. Um, but it's all right. Um, it's going to be all good. Sports will come back at some point with fans. So um, I understand you just moved to Missoula, correct? Yeah, I moved to Missoula, Montana. I'm going to be pursuing a law degree um, up here. Uh, I think I was accepted to a few other schools, but I'm born and raised a Montana boy, and I could see myself living here for the rest of my life. Absolutely love it. I'm super lucky to be uh, living in the state, and I really want to – further my education here and just kind of, you know, write it out. So. Yeah. Good for you, man. That's a big jump from a uh, student section screaming at a basketball game to law school. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> congrats. Yeah, let's let's jump in. Um, I got to start with Las Vegas. We were, um, oh, yeah. we were going to maybe meet up. Um, mm. You guys were, were battling for the WCC tournament and, yep. um, and then COVID. So <laughs> walk me through, what the heck happened in Las Vegas from your end? Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, so for a lot of people that don't know how Vegas works um, with the Gonzaga and the Kennel Club specifically is usually uh, the WCC tournament um, is the week before or weekend before spring break. So it's like you kind of have that those Monday, Tuesday games and then you go to back to school for three days and then there's spring break. Well, for the past two years, we've been fortunate enough to have it fall during that first weekend of spring break. And so we've taken down about 600 seniors. It's kind of become like an annualized senior trip. And what we do through the Kennel Club um, and having such a vast influence on campus, we're the ones that organize the trip. 
So we go through the hotels, we go through the various club promoters, we work at the alumni association for um, the pre-games and stuff like that. And then obviously we do our game day, you know, special leading of the chance and stuff down there. Um, but yeah, every year it's kind of like the most hyped thing of the year. Shout out to Ann Monroe. She was the Vegas coordinator this year. She did an awesome job uh, running that. But it's really like that one thing where it's like, this is the end of our like Gonzaga experience as a senior. We have to go down there and cheer, down the, cheer on the Zags. Because for us, I mean, especially being a school where final fours are held, you know, East Coast, even regionals are usually held in Anaheim or LA. It's really hard for us as students to make those treks down to those, you know, tournament games. So unless we get to the final four, of course, people make exceptions. People will find out a way of, I mean, I was going to find out a way to get to Atlanta if that happens. So, but for students, it's super special. So our mentality going into Vegas was this is going to happen. I mean, this is, let's back up. I mean, right now, I mean, we're in the heat of COVID. So if you can put your mindset back to like late February, there was maybe 10 to 14 cases in the U S and it was steady, like not steadily. It was kind of like sprinkled in and out. Um, by the time we got to Vegas, it was right when that nursing home in Seattle, um, contracted it. And so that was like one of the first hotspots. I mean, people were like, Oh, like Texas, Seattle, those are like kind of the epicenters. I mean, the New York thing really hadn't started to ramp up yet. And so we get to Vegas and everything's, everything went as normal. Like, I mean, I didn't look at the news. No one looked at the news. I mean, it's Vegas. Come on. So we, we enjoyed ourselves. We had a great time. And then we finished off the tournament. I mean, people were kind of starting on that last day, that Tuesday. Um, people started talking about it a little bit more, but we're like, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of ramping up, whatever. But what I know, and I've talked to a lot of students about it, is once we got Wednesday, I mean, everyone kind of either went back home from Vegas or went back to Spokane. Personally, for me, I went down to Denver to look at other law schools. And as soon as I got to Denver and got in my hotel room there, the world just shut down. And so it was just like really weird to be like, holy shit, like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, good. holy crap, like everything shut down. We're the only conference that actually finished their, yeah. you know, their conference play. And that was like a few days before they canceled the rest of the tournaments and everything like that. So it was a surreal experience for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Did you have any idea that that conference tournament would be the last Gonzaga basketball game that you watched not only live, but on TV as a student at Gonzaga? No, 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 I have no idea. I mean, when during the game, uh, during halftime, people started getting emails from airlines, though, about cancellations. I mean, there was a, a group of girls uh, that I'm friends with. They were going down to um, Arizona for the rest of their spring break straight from Vegas, and all their flights got canceled. And so it was kind of like, wow, what is happening? I mean, it was we were really in the moment when we were in the moment of the game and stuff. Yeah. And it made it a little easier because – the game that we were playing, we beat St. Mary's by like 20 points, I think almost in the, in the final. Yep. So, but, so our minds were starting to wander elsewhere, but yeah, once Wednesday hit, everyone was just like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, everything's changing. So yeah, but I had personally, I don't think any student had any idea that this was going to happen and that would be our last time to watch Gonzaga basketball. So 
What was your emotional process over the next few weeks, knowing that was the last game that you were going to see as a student? Oh, man. So my emotional process was, you know, it didn't hit me as hard. I kind of just like, I was, I was more worried about my family's safety and stuff at that point. Um, I moved back to Billings because I had just been in Vegas. So we got an email that Wednesday when I went to Denver, my mom and my 88 year old grandma actually met me down there, which was a crazy move. But I got an email right when I was in that hotel room too, when the world started shutting down, I was watching ESPN, I was watching CNN, I was watching, you know, NBC, stuff like that. And I had an email and it said that there was a positive case in the garage. And it was, which is where we stayed. Like there was someone that had it during that time. So I was like, completely freaked out and I was more worried about like I kind of like there was some sort of once it hit it was like final I was like okay that's it I mean I've had like that game I don't think will ever stand out to me just because it was my last game I think that there's 10 other games that I could have that really stood out to me personally I'm just happy that I had my last experience in the kennel because when you go down to the WCC or you go to Anaheim for lead day or, you know, Phoenix for final four, Atlanta for final four, it's not the same atmosphere as the kennel because there's so many more people. So I'm just glad I had that full experience of being in the kennel kennel all four years. Wow. I'm still trying to imagine 600 college seniors who are passionate (laughs) about basketball in a student section go to Las Vegas and organized yeah. with clubs and bars and promoters. I mean, yeah. that's just got to be uh, chaos and super fun for all the outgoing seniors. So yeah, once again, shout out to Anna Girl. She did an amazing job. Yeah. So wow, yeah. that's uh, incredible. Um, you mentioned Final Fours, East Coast, not getting to travel. Um, you guys are in Spokane, Washington, yep. Pacific Northwest, east side of the state. How does being overlooked by predominantly the main media, just from being on the East Coast, but also not being in a Power Five conference, um, maybe even in the state of Washington, there's a lot of Cougs fans, a lot of Dogs fans with Wazoo and UW. How does that play into a day in the life in athletics at Gonzaga or as a student? I mean, lately, like for me at least, um, you know, I like to like think of us as the underdogs, which I mean, I think three out of my four years, we reached number one in the nation at one point. So at least we're like, during my time there, we started really, really making ourselves like a blue blood team, you know, um, or at least getting on that way. I wouldn't say we're a blue blood team yet because we haven't reached consecutive final fours or multiple final fours or anything like that. I think that's a good, um, you know, kind of standard to hold blue bloods at, but Yep. I mean, being overlooked, that's kind of one of the things like, you know, when the whole like, there's like a whole Jimmy Kimmel thing where he's like, is Gonze even real or something? I just thought it was funny. Like, I, yeah. I was just yeah. like, okay, this is like, this is <laughs> kind of funny. Like, people don't really understand what it is. And then, like, the one thing that does kind of like get on my nerves a little bit is like when the announcers, like, they're paid to know like the teams that are playing, but they pronounce the school wrong. So, like, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, and it's like no, nah, it's Gonzaga. Like so, it's Zags, Gonzaga, not the Zaga. Final, yeah, it's Gonzaga. Gonzaga, final answer. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's sure. one of those things where it's just kind of. But I mean, in the state, when you got UW and Wazoo, I mean, 
if you're going to talk football, yeah, we don't have a football team, sure. Yeah. But I see some Wazoo fans on Twitter and UW fans on Twitter and stuff like like At least UW puts up a fight. I mean, we haven't played Wazoo in a few years because they're not competitive. That's it. So, um, I, and they talk trash. They're like, why won't you play us? Like, you're too scared to play us. I'm like, you were good when you had Clay Thompson. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, but yeah. The the Washington Gonzaga series was was renewed during your time there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 2006 was the last time they played before yep. uh, before you were there. What was that series like? Why is that important? I, I pretty sure you guys won all the games um, yeah. while you were there. But just tell me a little bit about that historic series. Yeah. So if I remember right, I think it was. Two home and home, two homes, two aways. So I think it was all four years, um, and we won every game. And it, for for one, mostly Gonzaga's like student population is either from the Seattle area or California. So like having that Seattle area connection and like being able to talk trash to like the UW fans that are <laughs> friends with the buddies back home and stuff, and then they'll yeah. come over to Gonzaga and talk trash to us during the UW weekend and stuff. That's definitely like awesome it's fun to like rule the state but like what's nice about that is like UW being such a close team they finally gave us like some good competition especially the last two years um I can't remember the final score this year it was in Seattle and um it was a close game yep but the year before was when Rui hit that jump shot right at the um free corner of the free throw line and like set like it was a buzzer beater and just sent the crowd wild that's probably one of my favorite moments in the kennel but yeah that that series is definitely like we look forward to it we look forward to it every uh every year and we always did a tent city for that that's when we'd camp out and yep you know stay the night before the game so yeah that's great um any any Adam Morrison uh, folk folk tales? I mean, this guy, you know, yeah, quite the NBA guy. career. I mean, people laugh at him, but he was uh, last year yeah. twenty eight a game. Uh, yeah, he you know competing for some uh, awards. So curious in the in the kennel club. Any any uh, yeah. Adam Morrison tales or stories worth mentioning? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's been a lot passed down at least this far. I mean, you get you got to remember it's like. 14 years, 13 yep. years since he's played. But I know that like one of the more iconic things that they did is I think during a senior night, every kennel club member wore a fake mustache. And then during his, uh, when he got his Jersey hung up in the rafters um, this year, every kennel club mo- member wore a mustache. So that was pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was the second to last game. I can't remember who he played, but yeah, in the kennel, but yeah, that was an awesome moment. He came and kind of gave a speech and honestly, that's one of the only moments that I've been talking about right now. I'm kind of getting chills because I remember it. And it's just like seeing like such a figure like that, that really like sure the, you know, the elite eight team, the Cinderella team put Gonzaga on the map, but Adam kept him on the map. He elevated them. I mean, if it wasn't for that UCLA game, I mean, they would have, you know, they, I think they would have won. I mean, they were so good, he <laughs> so good dude. He's yeah. just incredible. I mean, one of the best, I, one of the best college basketball players ever, like yeah. hands down. And it was really cool to just kind of be there. And like, we'd see him around campus and stuff. And he worked for radio um, on this, like during, in the media booth during every game for a few years. Um, 
So that was awesome. But yeah, no really stories have been passed down. I mean, the leadership changes every year. So it's like one of those things that gets lost in translation. I mean, the stories that I know are only from maybe the 2013 on. So. Does he ever show up in Vegas to join the kennel? No, he doesn't ever come up to the kennel. I wish he did. Okay. But he always, yeah. Or anything like that. He, he just, yeah, he kind of does his own thing. So. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a favorite player from your time at Gonzaga? Yeah, and this is going to be weird to like a lot of players, but I, he was such a staple for my time that he was, I think he was missing this year, and like a lot of people, like a lot of my fellow classmates and Gonzaga fans are going to be like, what the hell? Like this guy really? But Josh Perkins, like honestly, I thought Josh Perkins, like yeah, he like screwed up. You could blame a lot on that guy for, you know some of the losses and especially his turnovers, but he was such a staple to that team for Mm. the last, the five years that he was there. I mean, he got injured as a freshman, got that uh, medical red shirt and then started all four years after that. And he just kind of had that, like when he took the ball up and he he got going, he really got going. And so during my time there, definitely one of my favorite players. Um, And then obviously Rui, Corey, Corey, I mean, Corey is the epit- Corey Kispert's the epitome of an underdog. I mean, like when he came and bursted on the scene his freshman year before he got hurt, we're just like, who is this kid? And he's just stayed an awesome, awesome guy, an awesome leader yeah. ever since. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Gonzaga's um, their ability to recruit and seeing some of the transfers mm. they're picking up now is yeah. really remarkable. As a passionate fan, um, do you stay up to date with recruits now that you're transitioning now? Have you stayed up to date with alumni in the NBA? I mean, is this something that you're losing sleep over that you're getting excited about? Okay. Who's this next class? Who are we recruiting in 2021, 2022? Yeah. Um, it really like when I was there, my first three years, I kind of was just like, Oh, cool. We got a new guy. Like we're going to be good. But this year, like once we kind of had the tricky trio, which is Julian Strother, Dominic Harris and Jalen Suggs, once those guys became like close to reality, I was like, Oh, good. Like this is gonna <laughs> get crazy. Like having those three guys, which I mean, Jalen Suggs is the best um, two sport athlete in the nation. I mean, the guy could have gone D one football almost anywhere as a quarterback yeah. and to come to Gonzaga to play basketball, huge for the school. I think he was top five in the ESPN 100. Yeah. Um, and then now he's bringing in people like Chet Holmgren, um he is i think he's number one on the espn top 100 and he went to high school with jalen suggs wow so that is like a huge huge um you know kind of connection there so i'm hoping something comes from that yeah but yeah i I mean for me the recruiting thing i'm not the kind of guy to get on twitter and like if a recruit says something be like gunswick is the best place to go that's not me like i'm not I'm never like that. I'll kind of stay up to date. Um, but you know, if they choose the place, I think if they walk on the campus and I see the kennel, I mean like seeing that tricky trios, like faces during they came for the crazinesses in the kennel, which is the scrimmage, their faces during like zombie nation and the hum were just, they were just blown away. They were like, yeah, what is going on? I've never seen anything like this. So that's kind of one of those things where they kind of just have to see it to believe it. And, yep. um, I'm not losing sleep over it. If they choose, if they choose us, then great. If they don't, okay. they're lost. Um, for Zags in the NBA, yeah, I definitely keep up with them. Uh, I'm not a huge NBA guy myself, uh, but, like, if they're doing well and, like, 
kind of just like see their highlights and stuff. I'll throw out a, a highlight tape on of like Rui for the year, like yeah. BC, you know, Zach Collins over the last few years. So, yeah. All right. Zombie nation, the hum. I mean, yeah. For, for the student section, people, anybody that knows college basketball, zombie nation, iconic pregame ritual. It's mm. something as we were building the havocs at GCU and, some of the former Kennel Club members were so generous and just helping us structure and with ideas. I mean, when I first saw that, when I was a sophomore and we were just starting off, yeah. I was like, that is the goal. That is incredible. How the heck do they do that? Tell me the story behind Zombie Nation, if you will, or whatever you're willing to disclose. Yeah. And I mean, tell me about what is it like being in the arena during Zombie Nation as a student pre Yeah. yeah. So, um, Zombie Nation, like the story behind it, it was, you know, that song came out with like 2007, 2006, somewhere in there. I mean, it's, it's older. And so I don't really know the whole story of it. I just know that they were looking for some sort of pregame ritual and kind of got their heads together after they heard this song and just kind of did it. Um, Honestly, that's one of those things that's kind of gotten lost in translation. Translation, Unfortunately, there's no like written down thing where it's like, this is how it was discovered. Cause like when you start a new ritual for a game, like majority of the time, the turnover for it is huge. Like yep. it doesn't carry on and carry on for years. Whereas we're, we've been fortunate to have this carry on for, you know, 10, 15 years, however long it's been. Um, but the hum, which for those of you that don't know, every time, um, before Gonzaga plays at home in the kennel when the clock hits, I think it's three twenty or something like that. Yep. Every, like the band stops playing and the music kind of stops. And then this song called the hum comes on. And it's like this techno song. That's like, if you've seen the Wolf of wall street, you know, Matthew McConaughey yep. character, he's like, mm, mm. so yep. that's what like the entire crowd starts doing that and starts swaying. And that tradition started my freshman year. Okay. Um, the kennel club board taught it to my freshman class. We were kind of the first to know it and they based it off of kind of like found that song. We're like, Oh, that's from the Wolf of Wall Street. That'd be such a cool thing and did it. And so, yeah, it just goes wild. So like you do that, it kind of builds up and then like it, the beat drops and the entire um, student section just starts jumping up and down. And the way that the student section is structured is there's like, 1200 kids on the side of the court. So we're not behind the basket. Like a lot of student yeah. sections are, we're right on one side of the court, which is awesome. Yeah. And half the, half the, I'd say two thirds of the bleachers are movable. So they're like kind of the floating bleachers. So you can actually okay. get some bounce on them and the rest of them are concrete. So those floating bleachers, if you're on that, the entire structure just shakes the entire time. <laughs> so then like, that lasts for a minute and then for the next two minutes 20 seconds zombie nation comes on and if you haven't had the opportunity to see it google it youtube it like definitely watch it it's not going to put it into justice like how loud and like how crazy it actually is but yeah it's a pretty awesome thing and like when those come on the best part about it is seeing like the opposing players' faces if they've never, like, experienced it. So when North Carolina came, they, like, as soon as those two, like, hype songs came on, the deer in the headlights for all of them. They were done. We were in their head. I mean, we beat them, like, 35, I think, something like that. 
but yeah, during the headlights, they were like amazing. They were done. They couldn't, they couldn't understand or like fathom how loud it was. So, yeah. And I think, um, you guys were some of the pioneers in making the student section part of the game, even pregame. So mm-hmm. keeping students engaged and entertained, having that pregame ritual where the opposing team, they're not focused on the bench during mm-hmm. intros. They're looking around what is going on. And I know a lot of student sections have either tried to implement that or replicate that, that strategy and that model. I know a lot of what we did at GCU was seeing the value of doing that pregame. So yeah, for those listening, if you have not seen that, go to YouTube right now type in zombie nation or craziness in the kennel Gonzaga and, and you'll be blown away because that's, that's every home game, right? Yeah. It's every home game. Um, even like the scrimmage and stuff, we do it. And it's just, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So now that you're an alumni, you're going into law school. How do you see your, I mean, going from all in 20 plus hours a week, how do you see your fandom transitioning? What is it going to look like as a, Gonzaga and Kennel Club alumni. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I probably won't pay attention to um, too much of the recruiting stuff. Um, and as of right now, and especially going forward, I mean, I know like the next few recruits a few years out, but that's kind of one of those things where I'll just kind of wind down. Um, for me, especially with law school, like definitely going to focus on my studies. I'll definitely like try to make a few games. I mean, I'm going to be a broke student, you know, compared to like my friends that will hopefully be making money if they've gotten jobs and stuff. So they'll be able to kind of travel and go to those bigger games and, you know, go to Vegas and stuff like that. I mean, but uh, yeah, I kind of, for me, it's kind of just like catching a game um, and just kind of relaxing and watching it and just kind of reminiscing on like what it used to be and stuff. And it's kind of, you know, after such a long time, I mean, I was a student, regular student for four years or one year and then a student leader for three, there is a little bit of burnout to it. And like for right now, I'm kind of just ready to watch a few games on TV and relax. But I'm sure what, once we get about halfway through the season, if there's a season crossing my fingers, um, yeah. I'll definitely like start to miss it a little more. But for right now, I'm just like kind of, you know what, it is what it is. There's a finality to it. My time's been done. I'm ready for the next group to go do something and go do it way better. So sure. So people might be surprised what burnt out you're a fan, you're a super fan, you go to games. How can you possibly be burnt out? Um, Before I go into why and the amount of work that you put in, why is the kennel club so vital to Gonzaga and so vital in Gonzaga's game days and basketball program? Yeah, so the Kennel Club, um, and I think this is like a big thing for a lot of more well-established student sections, is they actually have a legitimate um, effect on the game because of the loudness um, of it, like, and how you're able to get into these kids' heads. I mean, that's, for professional athletes, it's a little different. They've got a different mindset, but when you're talking about, you know, collegiate athletes, they're young and you're able to get in their heads. And when there's so much noise, you're going from a high school gym that had like, you know, 200 kids yelling to a college stadium. That's almost the size of a high school gym. Cause it's pretty small Yeah, with 1200 kids, you know, yelling in it, it gets in their head. And so like Mark few told us and tells us every year during his speech that he does during the craziness in the kennel, the scrimmage kind of addresses the kennel club and says like, 
you guys are worth seven to eight points on defense again, wow. which is huge. And that's something that has been quoted for years and like kind of been like a known fact is the distinct home court advantage that our team has because of the effort that the student leaders and the student, you know, body as a whole puts in towards basketball. What a powerful message for schools that, you know, they should go look at their, their home record and home schedule the last few years, see how many games they lost at home by two points, three points, five points, mm. eight points. And um, what a student section maybe could have, uh, how it could have uh, changed the impact or the outcome of that game. So that, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, so give me some insight about the amount of work that goes into the kennel. Um, I might know a little bit just from student section leadership experience, but I don't think probably 99% of the people realize what a student section does or a leader does. So um, first walk me through a typical game day for you and your leadership team. Yeah. So game day, um, it depends if it's a weekend, it's a little more relaxed. Um, If it's a Thursday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday kind of game um, it's a little more hectic. So uh, we'll just go with the weekday game um, because that involves a little more logistics. Um, so what we do is during our meetings, we have our meetings every Monday at like 9 p.m. because it's one of those times where like everyone's available, right? Yeah. Like no matter what, 9 p.m. Yeah. on a Monday, you're probably available. So um, we go through there and say there's a game on a Thursday. And typically for us, we had tip-offs at like 6. So as a student leader, you needed to be there two hours before tip, right? And that's the student body, like the rest of the kennel club, like people could line up all day if they wanted to, right? But as yep. leaders, we wanted to be there two hours to two hours, 15 minutes before tip. Um, so what we would do is like determine who can't come because they're still in class because, you know, some people might have night or night classes or classes might end up 4.30, stuff like that. So we're already kind of like a few people short on a weekday game. But what we usually do is kind of get out there, say it's a 6 p.m. tip. We get out there by like 3.45, 4. We'll set up some speakers and stuff and just kind of like go through the line, talk to kids. Like, how long have you been here? Like, just yeah. kind of hype them up. Like, are you excited for the game? Like, just kind of make conversations with everyone. Like, is there any chance you want to do like stuff like that? Like, you know, the chance, do you know the chance? Like kind of, especially those earlier games before when it was a lot of freshmen, we would be like, do you know the chance or like start some chance in line? Yeah. Um, but uh, so we'd play some music and then we, as leaders, we'd go in a little bit earlier than the rest of the uh, crowd. So the crowd would be let in an hour and a half before game time. So okay. that's a full 90 minutes we would go in about five minutes before that and we'd send um, about four people to hold eight spots on each side of the student section up in the front of the front two rows, kind of like two corner pockets for us. So we could sit and lead the cheers. Now it's kind of a double-edged sword. And this is like one of those things where like a lot of the students didn't really understand it. Like what, they didn't have to wait in line. Like, why are they, why do they (laughs) get front row? Why are they getting like all this stuff? And, so there's two, there's two reasons for it. One reason is because you want to have an organized look. You want to be able to lead from the front. I mean, leading from the back is one of those things where it just doesn't work that well. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta establish that thing and like trust with athletics. First of all, to be like, Hey, you gotta let us in early. Like if you want to yeah. have us 
you know, be that presence, allow the leaders, allow like those leaders in early so they can actually start the chance to coordinate with the cheerleaders, what chance to do go off. Um, the second part of that is we're actually kind of like supposed to be that barrier. So no one rushes the court. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that's kind of like the, if people aren't buying that, we'll just be like, yeah, it's so you guys don't rush the court. Like if you guys are going to rush the court, <laughs> we're going to hold you back. Like that's yeah. kind of our, our thing, especially during those bigger games um, where we do get those spots as well. But so that kind of gets in there. All the students come in, everyone's in their seat and it's about, that'll happen about 75 minutes before game time. And then they start playing music. They kind of got stuff. A lot of people, we kind of just take that time to relax. I mean, I usually went yeah. and got food. They had this awesome chicken sandwich place. Get some food, get some Red Bull, something like yeah. that. Like <laughs> yeah. I'd have the Red Bull in the pocket, ready to go, be, you know, a few minutes before the examination stuff. But yeah, get some food. Everyone would kind of relax. And then that kind of, you know, go back and forth, just sitting there. We'd hackle the other team while they're doing their shoot around before the yep. game, of course. So we'd give them crap yeah. um, if they were on that side. But once the team came out in like their uniforms and they weren't just in their warm up, the song, the school song would start, cheerleaders would come out, we'd start kind of, everyone would get on their feet. And then it kind of like the band would play a few songs. We'd kind of hang out for a little bit. And then uh, during the national anthem, no, during it would go the hum, zombie nation, national anthem. Okay. And for us, one of the biggest things that we had to coordinate was you've seen Gonzaga I don't know if they show this on TV during the national or during the player introductions or not but if you've been to a Gonzaga basketball game what we do is we take banners over the entire student section during the player intros okay right so like a lot of students like I think one of the funniest things is to take newspapers and put them up like I've always yeah, thought yeah, that's, that's really great. funny yeah, the opposing team intros um or turn your backs and start cheering yeah. What, we, what we decided to do or what athletics decided to do is run banners out. So oh, at the cool. end of zombie nation, the student leaders would run up the stairs, which half the time there's nowhere to run because they're packed <laughs> full, like they're standing room only. So you're, you're squeaming by yeah. and trying to get up to the banners and you do the national anthem from there. And then you'd run the banners down and lead cheers during the opposing team's intro. And then you'd run the banners off, throw them behind the bleachers, come back, and then there was always this like hype video on the TV, which okay. was awesome. I don't know yeah. if they have it on Twitter or anything. I like that. Yeah. The hype video that they showed before games was every year was sweet. This year athletics had like kennel club members, like me and like a bunch of the other people like go out to this park with the players and like, oh, just cool. like the hype them up and stuff and uh, have like fog machines and stuff and shots of us just doing crazy crazy things and yeah. so that was really cool um then after that happens our last like biggest tradition which is an awesome thing i think if you guys like are big enough this is something you should totally do uh contact athletics about it is like the the announcer would go and now you're gonzago bulldogs in the front row like led by like the leader on each side and it's the front row only so like i jump down and then the entire front row would run with me and we'd form a tunnel for the players extending off their bench wow. so when their intros came through and go through players did their intros we'd all run back um and then thunderstruck would start and then that was the game so that's kind of like wow just a really like easy summary of the um, yeah pre-game at gonzaga but it's one of those things where when i was there the only thing that was really tweaked about it was the hum, 
and maybe some like timing with the banners and like the national anthem and stuff. Sure. I think the nat I think the national anthem used to be before Zombie Nation, something like that. So yeah, there was there was some timing differences, but that's something that's been passed down for years. Yeah. That's cool. That's uh, that gives people, I think, an insight into what you guys yeah. are doing in game day. And you're not just glorified cheerleaders, but you're the mm-hmm. one that are you're creating that experience for the students. Yeah. Um, I know you were social media over social media your junior yeah. year. Um, I just looked. I think the Kettle Club's Twitter is at like 16k followers. Their Instagrams at 7.2. Yeah. For a school of what 6,000, 5,000. I mean that that that's pretty. I mean, that takes a lot of work to grow and maintain and nurture those social media accounts. Um, the brand of a student section is so important. I mean, if you go to Gonzaga, you're part of the kennel. That resonates mm-hmm. with you. I see a lot of schools, they'll have like a Twitter account, but it's not active yeah. or it's not, it's yeah. not growing year after year. Um, can you just give me a brief summary or insight into how much planning or the strategy that goes into your kennel club social media strategy? Yeah. So what's great about it is um, social media is always kind of like presented as the fourth executive, right? So there's the president, the vice president, the treasurer, and then social media has always kind of been like one of those ones that like, because they have so much, you know, external face to face with people, they do have a lot of responsibility in that aspect. Um, and for me, everyone kind of did it their own way. Um, I know the guy before me, Dylan Graff, he planned out his tweets. He, like, any other tweets that he did except for game day, he kind of planned out. And even during game day, he kind of have a few planned out. The guy before him, Brandon, he was the one that actually, Brandon Lim, he got the account verified, which I think is a huge step nice. for student sections. Um, yeah. Personally, for me, <laughs> I'm the type of guy that, like, during games – I was on my phone a lot because I was thinking on my feet. Like I was just, I was going, this was before Twitter became so, so much like call out culture, which is crazy because it's only been like a year since I did that. But it's true. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like call out for saying something like a little over the line or anything like that. Like there's stuff over the line, but I keep it tasteful. Yeah. And that's one of those things where I found that line and I rode that line and was able to like, just think on my feet and go, I'd go at like the throats of the opponent's athletic department, (laughs) the opponent's, (laughs) the opponent's student section, you know, the opponent's players, like stuff like that. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's one of those things where I just kind of, my social media year, I really didn't plan a whole lot. It was more, it was more reactive, right? Sure. So like, even when it was, say it was just a simple event, that's not a game day and we needed to promote it. I'd outsource like the um, graphic design to a designer and just be like, Hey, send me this. I'll post it. I'll make sure it's on everything. I'll keep it updated. Yada, yada. And then during game days, yeah, it was just kind of like thinking on my feet and just being really, really quick, witty, you know, trying yeah. to be funny, trying to keep, I think the biggest thing is keeping up with Twitter trends. So if you notice yeah. that there's something some like funny thing that's going around uh, Twitter and you want to like uh, kind of jump in on that. A game day is, especially is great for that. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's no, just kind of quick. So yeah. And I think the important thing there is whether some style, I know the, our marketing director was very organized, planned things out for each mm. week, each month, and then um, situational tweets or posts. 
mm. someone like you that's more creative and witty on the spot. But I think the key there is that you're consistently posting content, you're interacting, you're highlighting mm. the students, and you're showing that, hey, this social media account is a living organism and it's the online version of our student section, which I think is really important is that it's a living and breathing organism that's continually growing. Yeah. And I think, um, I I just want to expand on something real quick. I think one thing, which is really awesome. If you're a student section um, leader and you have like great relationship with athletics, you can find ways to promote your student sections, social media through like promotions. So, um, my year, there was a Snapchat thing. And I made it, I called it the golden box idea. And for like the last game that we had before ticket distribution, what we did is hit a box somewhere on campus. And the first person to find it got six free tickets and like some swag from the kennel club and stuff like that. But it was those six tickets that were huge because that meant they didn't have to wait in line to get a ticket, stuff like that. And so our um, Snapchat, I think grew by 300 followers or something. It's amazing. Um, Cause I was like, yeah, something big is coming. There's a huge promotion, like yeah. be sure to follow it. So just kind of use those things to your advantage. Um, growing a social media platform, especially at a school is easy. Like I, I, I honestly think like if you just put yourself out there and do the right things, you have that base right in front of you. So, yeah, that's great. Hopefully, um, student or market students or marketing admin listening to that will definitely use that advice. Um, you know, Gonzaga, you have awesome resources. You inherited this established student section. It's a winning culture. So uh, a few more questions for you, Matt. I, I mean, what would be your best advice to either a marketing administrator or a student at a school that wants what the kennel club has that wants this crazy student section but maybe their culture is not there. Maybe they have limited resources, but I mean, I personally believe every school can, can do better and at least build some sort of student section culture. So what would your advice be to any staff administrators or student leaders that want to grow their student section? Yeah, I think my advice um, is definitely just if it's a student or staff, hopefully it's both be willing to work with both parties. I think having that relationship with the admin, with athletics, everything like that, and making sure that you're on the same page and they want what you want and being sure that you have that value proposition, like saying, hey, look how much these students are worth at other schools, like sharing their teams on. We can be that here. I think starting with that base is huge and establishing that relationship is because you can do things that like you wouldn't have dreamed of just being your own student organization, right? Sure. Um, Second, just understand that it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that with realistic expectations, um, a lot of people would have, but just with like hard work, determination and like thinking outside of the box. I mean, there's ways to, you can take inspiration from other student sections like GCU did, like you did Brandon, but you don't have to like flat out copy them. Right. And like, that's not what you did. You created it. You made it your own. And I think having, you know, a great leadership team and that everyone wants to grow on that leadership team personally and organizationally is huge. I think that is just like growth is definitely the key and having that growth mindset and being able to really, you know, strive for something better personally and organizationally and surrounding you, surrounding yourself with those people, establishing that team and just 
taking inspiration from successful or uh, student sections, I think you'd really be able to concoct some great ideas and make it your own. Sure. So. Great advice. What would you say, what separates the best student sections from the rest? So I wouldn't say numbers, right? Because a lot of people are just like, oh, you have more people that come to the game, more students mm -hmm. that come to the game, right? I mean, here's a great example. Look at Alabama. I mean, for football, completely different sport, but just stay with me. Um, they have their student sections like mostly full every game. Everyone leaves during the third quarter because they're, you know, <laughs> they're beating the opponents by how many points and everyone's just done and it's a four-hour game. Yeah, football's a different sport. But this is also a thing that student sections, I think, having an elite student section compared to an average one, it's having that retention of students and engagement of students throughout the full, you know, 40 minutes of a college basketball game. And that's something that personally, I mean, Gonzaga, like even though we've had that established student section, we're starting to fall into that hole, right? A lot of students are leaving, especially since we're kind of spoiled by our own success. We play teams that we beat by 40 on a, you know, weekly, bi-weekly basis. So if you have a competitive team, I think that definitely like kind of puts you more in that zone of like yep. being able to establish a successful student section, like you're competitive within your league, competitive non-conference, everything like that. Um, but just having that, those students engaged, every time the ball is moving, flipping court to half court to half court, there needs to be a chant. Defense, there needs to be a chant. Offense, there needs to be a chant, but there needs to be multiple. You need to be able to run, run through six or seven defensive chants, six or seven offensive chants. I mean, and some of them don't even need to be like vocal. You can just start stomping, right? Yeah. And like stomp and rhythmic. Like one of the things that we did this year, we found out this year was like, we could just, without saying anything to the students behind us, they would start doing it because we were doing it. And we'd start off real slow by stomp, 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 stomp. And it would get like as loud as zombie nation on defense. Wow. And so that's one of those things, just kind of keeping students engaged during those games and finding ways to yeah. do that. I love what you said about, the leaders having a growth mindset and regardless of if you inherited an established student section or you're starting from scratch or you're a mid-major with limited resources, having a growth mindset, you can always get better. You can always improve. Mm -hmm. And that what's going to define your student section is the engagement throughout the game of the students that are there, not just the numbers, um, which Absolutely. is, I mean, that's a great message to all the student sections out there. Um, what's your, the, these questions, you know, I, I want to ask everybody that comes onto this podcast, what's your favorite goosebumps, chills, student section memory? North Carolina, 100%. North Carolina, like just having North Carolina in the, in the kennel, we lost to them in the national championship my freshman year, having them in the kennel my senior year. I mean, first of all, it was like, I'm starting to get chills again. Just thinking of the game, <laughs> I am <honestly>. too. <laughs> but it was just, the hype leading up to it, I mean, it was something that we planned to somehow, you know, it was a logistical challenge because it was after the school year ended, right? Or the school semester ended. Yeah. So yeah. it was like one of those things where the school didn't know what they were doing. The athletics didn't know what we were doing. Hell, we didn't even know what we were doing. So <laughs> it was kind of like trying to bring all those together. And in, in some ways we did fail, like with communication and students. Sure. But like once we got into the kennel, None of that student, all those students' complaints went away. Everyone was just happy to be there. 
And honestly, it was one of the loudest, probably top two loudest kennels I've ever been a part of. And I just, I, I don't think most games I am smiling, but this one, I was just smiling even more because we were just kicking the, the hell out of, you know, <laughs> North Carolina. We'd be like, like 30 points. So that was, yeah. Just, yeah, that was, I, I just can't think of a better moment than that. That's awesome. I, uh, you gave me the chills explaining it. So, yeah. um, last question, Matt, just if you could be a student section leader for one more game and you knew there's going to be a hundred percent student attendance and engagement, what's the scenario? Who are you playing? What's the venue? What's at stake? Oh, for me, and I think it's just because I'm a little like reminiscing and like a little bitter at I'm going to experience it is I, I just want to be in a final four setting. Like I know that's like co- completely opposite ends of the spectrum of kennel of the kennel because there's so many so much more and there's so much more at stake. But that's something I didn't get to experience when I was a freshman. I didn't go down to Arizona. I just couldn't afford it. So I stayed at Gonzaga, which was an awesome time regardless. But um, being a leader in that atmosphere and like kind of just winging it and being like those guys that like kind of threw that together that um leadership group of kennel like they had a great time and i really wish this year we would have had the opportunity to do that i think we could have because we were a really good team but yeah i think that if that opportunity ever presented itself i'm going to be a little jealous of the you know the kennel club leaders that are in those shoes and get to go down for a final four and take the students down there and just lead from the front up there. So I really, really wish I could have had that experience, but you know, it is what it is. And like I said, there's some sort of finality to it. And with this COVID thing, there's so much uncertainty, but you know, we just kind of, it is what it is. It's out of our control. And I think for a lot of student section stuff, it is out of your control, just control what you can control. So sure. Well, Matt, thanks for jumping on here. Maybe one day we can uh, go to a GCU game together and then yeah, go up to Spokane, man. go to a Gonzaga, yeah. compare student section stories, get a chicken sandwich. Cool. Yeah, know, the chicken sandwich. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, drink a Red Bull for, for good time's sake. But thanks so much, and I appreciate you jumping on the Biggest Fan Podcast. Of course, man. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate cool. it. Take care, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Biggest Fan Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, give us a rating and make sure to subscribe. We'll be dropping new content often and you don't want to miss out on a single episode. One last thing, make sure to check us out at studentsections.com or at Biggest Fan Consulting on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Brandon Kaiser. This is the Biggest Fan Podcast and stay hyped.